0: On today's show, I interview creative entrepreneur Joanna Penn about her journey of becoming a best-selling author of thrillers and nonfiction after initially starting out as a business IT consultant. But first, let's jump into my personal update. Hey, listeners. I know that it's only been like two weeks since I released the last episode, but it feels like forever, doesn't it? Maybe it has something to do with how time seems to like work differently in a global pandemic. I don't know. So just a quick update, I've definitely stayed quite busy for the last two weeks and was able to launch book three in the Artemis Necklace series. It's titled Go Magic Yourself. I also made book one in the series completely free on all ebook platforms. So if you would like to give it a try, you can visit your virtual bookstore of choice and look up Suck It, the Artemis Necklace series, book one by J.J. Russell. You know, if you like urban fantasy with a snarky female protagonist and a hellhound with an attitude, definitely download it for free today from any ebook store of your choice. And if you like spicy romance, hang tight, because I am currently wrapping up a second round of edits on my contemporary spicy romance, and then it's off to my editor for proofreading. So I'm kind of looking at maybe a mid-May release. I still don't have an official title for that yet, but it's it's coming. Things are also beginning to get busy on the farm front, so I have almost all of my seedlings started, in, which is always super exciting. And we have had a few like beautiful days here in down east Maine but of course this is the spring of deception right that's what they call it here um it's April 17th as I record this and we actually just had some snow this morning so the spring of deception is hopefully over and now we can kind of start slowly moving into the real spring it'll be a little bit longer before it's actually safe to transplant any of the seedlings to our field outside but you know I guess that just means I'll have to start some more seedlings terrible right all right. That is all I've got for an update. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview with creative entrepreneur, Joanna Penn. Today, I'm speaking with creative entrepreneur, Joanna Penn. Joanna is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers and nonfiction. She also hosts the Creative Penn Podcast, which focuses on writing, publishing, book marketing, and helping authors make a living with their writing. But Joanna actually started her career as a business IT consultant, and today we'll be focusing on her journey from the IT world to becoming a full-time author. Welcome to the show, Joanna. Oh, thanks for having me, Jennifer. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super stoked to have you on. As we were chatting a moment before, I'm going to try not to fangirl because I'm I'm a big fan. So, And now I, I do know, I know we just touched a little bit on your career highlights, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like where you're from and, you know, how you actually initially started out as a business IT consultant? Sure.
1: Well, as people can probably hear from my accent, I'm British and I live
0: (laughs) in the southwest
1: of England in Bath, which uh, many people might also know from, uh, you know, from Regency Romance. That's how people often Ah. see uh, the Bath architecture. In fact, some of Bridgerton was filmed here, so people can get that. Yeah, exactly. Get that in your head. Um, I didn't see many of the exciting actors when it got filmed, but no, I'm sure everyone knows that series now. But um, yes, I live here. And uh, in terms of how I became, an IT consultant I essentially I went to Oxford University and I did actually did a master's degree in theology as in religion <laughs> which is <laughs> which is kind of crazy and ends up now a lot in my fiction but um, what happens when you when you go to Oxford is you get recruited into consulting banking and law are sort of the big careers in order to pay off your student loan and all that type of thing so I went into consultancy I started working at uh, a, a place called Accenture um, and uh, essentially on the first morning I went in and there were sort of 400 of us graduates starting that day and the woman at the front held her arm out down the middle of this uh, hall and she said everyone on your on my left (laughs) which I was there she's like you are now doing SAP which is this German software system which is uh, put into large companies and that was it that was I was just sitting on the side of the room that got me into uh, (laughs) SAP financials consulting so essentially I worked for 13 years implementing financial systems into really big multinational companies and also small companies and um, paid very very well it was the classic corporate golden handcuffs and in your work with uh with career coaching I'm sure you know the people who work in corporates
0: and end up miserable yes yes I actually just spoke to an ex-googler about the same thing oh there you go yeah yeah and so you said you did that for 13 years. At what point did you start to kind of feel that itch to write a book?
1: Well, it wasn't so much writing a book at the time, it, as in I left that job many times. Uh, I resigned mm-hmm. over and over again I um, and always had to go <laughs> back. So I started a scuba diving business. I started a travel itinerary business. I started um, renovating houses. I tried so many times to leave that career. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just, I mean, again, you know this, I couldn't find what fitted with with what I wanted to do, like every time, I'd be like, "Well, you know, this isn't it," and I would go back to my day job, and mm-hmm. it, because it paid, they kept paying me, you know, and it was like, "Okay, well, I'll I'll take that, I'll take that the side I don't like because it pays for the rest of my life." But um what happened? I guess sort of my early thirties, things sort of started to get really bad. I was just really miserable. I was kind of crying at work, going, "What am I doing?" The thing in IT, you know, IT systems is the moment you implement something and it goes live and people start using it uh they come up with another plan and everything you do gets overwritten so (laughs) it's like okay this is pointless and so I felt like everything I did was uh, just in service of the mortgage and you know investments and all the things they tell you you have to do and I just wasn't happy so that was sort of 2006 I was like okay I have to figure this out I have to figure out what to do with my life and in fact my first the first book I wrote is called career change and Mm. I wrote that book in order to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and so I read loads of self-help books a lot of American self-help books you guys are brilliant at self-help and uh, (laughs) we need all the help we can get (laughs) yeah well, you help a lot of other people and I was like okay well I'm I'm very good at studying I like to study and I was like I do like to write but maybe I'll 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 study how to change my career and I'll write a book because in writing a book I'll be able to help myself and Mm -hmm. in writing that book that book has changed a few lives but the life it mostly changed was my own because I wrote that book and discovered the world of writing books and publishing and marketing and started blogging and podcasting and all these things and so it was deciding to change my career and then writing a book that actually did change my career (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those, you know, I I say to people, it's a bit like skiing down a slope, you know, you don't just aim your skis and end up in a straight line from the top to the bottom. It's like you have to start doing something. And in doing something, you learn enough to change direction. And then you're like, okay, this isn't quite right, change direction. And I started writing a book, not in order to become a full time writer, I didn't really know that that was a possibility. But I, I started in order to figure out my life and to help others. And then along the way, Since then, so 2006, I started writing. 2008, I published that first book, started my blog 2009 started my podcast and uh wrote more books obviously and in 2011 I left my job to do this full-time so it took it still took five years of writing and doing all the things to leave my job but uh we're now at almost a
0: decade oh, of wow. a full-time author entrepreneur as I called myself and so with that very first book that you wrote what was that process like to be published because that was sort of a different time kind of before things really started booming right with the indie author scene
1: oh yes there was there really wasn't much uh the, the phrase indie author wasn't really known right. <laughs> but but what was interesting? so I have always been a businesswoman so my mum my single mum was uh, in business and uh, so I always knew I didn't want to be poor that was very important to me that mm-hmm. I made good money so when I wrote this book I did then look at what publishing traditional publishing involved and again this was you know 2007 2008 and um before the kindle took off before the iPhone took off all of these types of things. And I still I just couldn't see a way that getting a publisher would be a good choice for me because I'm very entrepreneurial I do not like like asking permission I was like why do I have to go ask these people to look at my book why do I have to do that I think I'm just going to do it myself so I also at the time was doing a lot of public speaking um, and getting training with the National Speakers Association and all of the, the speakers uh, have been self-publishing for a long time because they know that they can sell books at the back of the room mm-hmm. so I was like oh well, I'll do this too. I mean, all you need is um, some formatting and a printer and all of this type of thing. So that's what I did. I I actually self-published before, <laughs> before it became trendy uh, and obviously learned a lot along the way. And um, although now I do have various publishing deals with um, foreign rights publishers mainly, I, you know, I I can make 70 to 90% royalties by doing it myself. So as a, as a businesswoman, I made that choice early and I still make that choice. Although, you know, the inevitable thing is as soon as you can do it yourself other people are more
0: interested in right <laughs> you, you do it yeah, of course <laughs> and so when you first were kind of like okay I'm gonna make a go of this like I am going to turn this into a full-time you know business did you have any naysayers when you told people that you were going to do this and pursue being at that time self-published but now indie author right
1: well again when I decided to go uh, to leave my job it wasn't I'm gonna leave my job and write books mm-hmm. it was I'm going to leave my job and become Uh, mainly a speaker Mm, because mm -hmm. the people for for some reason when you say I'm going to be a professional speaker people don't think that that's a bad thing (laughs) compared to if you say you're going to quit your job and be a writer people are like oh you're never going to make any money Uh, exactly (laughs) but but basically I I always intended to have multiple streams of income Mm -hmm. I know and I still know I have over 30 books and I make good money with my book sales but if that was my only income I would not be uh, a happy entrepreneur so I have multiple streams and have done from day one so I set up the creativepen.com I immediately started building an email list I was um, taking training courses about how to make money with blogging Mm. at the time and then how to make money with podcasting so things like a affiliate links selling other people's products i set up my first online course before 2009 and uh, now everyone's doing it obviously right. <laughs> because of the pan- pandemic <laughs> but um now i started teaching online i started running my own events charging people to come i, I did my first events at libraries i was living in australia at the time uh, so i had all of these different income streams i set up a youtube channel you know i had all these things coming in and it was little trickles at first like 10 bucks here and 20 bucks there and maybe 500 bucks to do you know a a full day workshop because I wasn't charging much at the time but then and I was doing this while still doing my day job and uh and my husband was very supportive but you know he didn't necessarily see it as going anywhere because I was at the time a highly paid consultant but then it got to the point where I was making about probably about 1500 us dollars a month Mm -hmm. which is not enough for most of us to live on right but it was evidence that I could make some money. So at that point, I said to my husband, look, I think I could make more (laughs) if I had more time. (laughs) (laughs) So if I actually left my job. And so we agreed that um, we would downsize for a start because I did earn more money at the time than him. So we would downsize and uh, we sold our house and all of that. And I would give it six months. And also we had saved extra extra money you know in case anything went wrong and I said if I do it for six months and it just is going nowhere and I can't grow this number then I'll go back to work um and of course that didn't need to happen so that's really good but in terms of naysayers coming back to your question I'm very blessed in my my mum is incredibly enthusiastic about anything. And she's always taught me and my brother that anything you decide to do, you can achieve. And, uh, you know, again, very American self help <laughs> So yeah, I feel like my mum has always supported that kind of decision. And in terms of naysayers, it was probably just my own mind more than anything else. But uh, yeah, over the years, I guess I've continued to prove that idea wrong, that you have to be the poor author
0: in the garret or whatever. Mm. One of the things we've been speaking about is, is really more on the nonfiction side of the house. And you've actually mentioned on your podcast that you weren't sure that you could write fiction. But now you have 19 thrillers under your belt, if my count is right. What actually convinced you to try your hand at fiction? Well, it's actually my podcast.
1: So there's a little warning for you because someone might say <laughs> something on your show and you're like, oh, I'm really <laughs> challenged by that. And that's basically what happened. So it was uh, sort of it was 2009. So I was only about six months into my podcast and I interviewed a guy um, called Tom Evans about writer's block. And I was like, oh, I don't have any blocks. You know, I, I just write stuff and he's like no I think you have a block around writing fiction and I was like oh I'm so challenged by it because I'm I've always been a reader I love to read all the time and I had thought that writing fiction was something that certain special people did you know Mm. only people who the muse came down and sort of magic streamed out of their fingertips and when (laughs) when he challenged me on it I was like do you know what I think I might actually have some blocks around fiction because you know again because of going to sort of a a university that values literature and my mum also (laughs) taught English literature and I thought well I I have to write some kind of literature I have to write literary fiction prize-winning fiction that's the only acceptable type of book which is obviously wrong because as a miserable uh, person in sort of the corporate world I used to binge read thrillers all the time like what I would do at lunchtime is I'd go to the bookstore this was you know when books were only in print and I would buy hardback thrillers and I would read them you know and that's what I loved um Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code Uh, sort of really tapped into my interest in religion, which is, you know, what my my degree was in. And I was like, well, maybe I could write something like a Dan Brown. And because it's sort of, Still interesting and has a lot of mm-hmm. research, which I love. Uh, but it's the type of book I really love to read. So I did Nano If your audience don't know, that's National Novel Writing Month. You can find it at nanorimo.org, and that's every November. It's a challenge to write fifty thousand words in a month in the month of November. So you have to write or something like fourteen hundred words a day or something to make the goal. And I was like, right, I th- I'll do that. See what happens. And I managed to write about twenty thousand words that month, and of which about five thousand words became the seed of my what became my first novel stone of fire uh, mm. which originally had a, had a different title but that um in writing that book and it took me sort of another 14 months or something that came out in 2011 after I'd learned a lot about editing and all those things but what I love about writing both nonfiction and fiction is it is two very different sides of me and I as you said I, I mention I write thrillers under JF Penn and I, I'm able to keep that sort of self-helpy side the American <laughs> self-help side as Joanna Penn and then I'm able to go sort of deeper into a lot of the things I'm interested in uh, a lot of the, my travels go into my fiction a lot of my darker side and I just love I love writing both and mm-hmm. so I guess what's what started me was that challenge and then what, made me continue was the fact that I love the creative process and sort of circling back to what I said at the beginning about things being overwritten in the corporate world and things not lasting and now Mm -hmm. I measure my life by what I create and the wonderful thing about fiction is of course it it doesn't really age I mean a book is new for whoever finds it so maybe someone listening now will find my novel desecration for example which I'm is one of my favorite books Um, and and go oh well there you go and that's new to that person even though I wrote it sort of seven years ago or something and whereas non-fiction can age a lot more if you include technical things in it or like um, podcasting or blogging has changed a lot since I first started mm-hmm. you know over a, a decade ago so yeah I think it's if people listening do want to write fiction, I mean, you, you've written fiction too, you write stories as well as nonfiction. It's a very different skill. There's a lot of different things to learn. uh, But it's a craft, you know, you can do it for the rest of your life. And there'll always be challenges in story. Whereas I feel like with nonfiction, uh, you can write a nonfiction book, like you, you know, especially in the self help genre, if you have something you want to share you can structure it and write it but I feel like fiction you have so much more to learn (laughs) if you get
0: do you feel the same because you've written both I do I I feel like on the non-fiction side there's more research involved I feel like fiction can be harder because for me it's it's all made-up worlds right oh well because mine is on the fantasy side oh yeah true I mean mine is I write a lot of
1: fantasy but most of it's not made up It's Ah. like, it's like based in, um, my Matt Walker series is dark fantasy set in another world, Mm. but all of the places are based on places in our world. Yeah. So I, I love research. It's my favorite thing. And I research
0: my fic, I research the hell out of my fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, it lets you travel. So why would you not? Yeah. And so what, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in being kind of an, an indie author kind of overall?
1: I mean there are always there are creative challenges there are business challenges but I like a challenge so they come along I do them and I move on you know I don't necessarily mm-hmm. dwell on things I mean everything's a challenge it's a challenge to write your words you know I don't write mm-hmm. every day but actually this morning I wrote nearly 3000 words and oh, nice. uh, yeah I mean but I haven't written first draft words for months and so you know getting to the page is a challenge managing your time is a challenge for all of us. (laughs) Um, You know, book marketing is a big challenge for any author, but not just for any author, for any small business. I mean, for your, um, you know, resume business, for example, your challenges of marketing that business are exactly the same as an author trying to market a book. It, there are a lot of people out there selling their services, and you have to stand out somehow. So I think probably marketing is one of the biggest challenges that anyone has in a small business, and
0: authors are just another small business, basically. Yeah, and that's kind of one of my next questions was, you know, what that entails. And you've mentioned a few of a few of the items that are included with running an, an indie author, a small business. Are there other aspects that you have found? to running a small business besides, you know, the writing and marketing side of it? Well, I think,
1: I mean, there's a book called The E-Myth, which has been famous for many years. And it's sort of, you can be a good practitioner at your craft. uh, So I can be as good a writer as I can try and be. I can do all the courses, I can hire all the editors and my book can be brilliant book, but it still people like oh quality books will find the way but actually it's not true there is something like 10 million books or something on Amazon with hundreds of thousands published every month and there are lots of good books that never find an audience because of the business side so I think it, it needs to be both and again this is why being an indie author or being an author in general actually is no different to running another business so you you have to change your mindset from I am an artist to I am running a business (laughs) so I put my artist aside and I put my business hat on and it says okay so now I need a quality product so I need to hire obviously editor I need to hire a cover designer I need to get my book onto all the publishing platforms Uh, so I need to make the most of my product Mm -hmm. and then of course I do need to do marketing and and all the things associated with that then even things like email it's funny so my husband uh, works in a a pharmaceutical company and he's like oh I've got so much email I'm like yeah tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I get so much email every day and we all have email as part of our job that's just the way it goes and when you're a full-time author it, it part of your job is dealing with email from readers or um, you know dealing with uh, incoming things like this you know you email me and said would you come on my show and I was mm-hmm. like yeah that would be great and so scheduling meetings this is a meeting you know we put it in the calendar and or maybe I'm speaking at an event on zoom or in real life when we're able to do that again and uh and then of course there's managing the money and this is a huge part of running your own business mm-hmm. that can be the thing that really goes horribly wrong for people which is cash flow so you have to have money coming in and there's always money going out as you know you have to to do all these you have to pay all the people you need to pay you need to do the marketing and then hopefully you're taking a salary and where I am now with over a decade um, or nearly a decade full time is you know putting money aside into a pension or superannuation investments all the things you would do when you have a normal job you need to do when you run a business but you actually need to do it yourself instead of uh, or or hire people to help you obviously I don't do my own payroll for example I I have an accountant and bookkeeper and you know I don't do my own cover design I don't do my own uh, editing as such you know so I have lots of people to help me but all of those people are generally helping me on the business side whereas Mm -hmm. the craft side is is me you know I write all my own words I have co-written some books but I you know I don't outsource my writing. Right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There are plenty of people who work with ghost writers and things like that, or are ghost writers. But I, part of why I do this is because I'm a writer. Right. <laughs> so, so I think you know, in general, I, the most important thing is to understand that you have your craft, which is your writing, or maybe you're a painter or whatever you, you're doing, and then you have your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same for you. You know, with the resumes, writing someone's resume is one thing Mm -hmm. and then advertising your business and doing marketing is something you have to do or chasing up um you know accounts receivable or all of those things so you in my head it's better to keep the two things separate and I tend to do in the mornings I'm a writer Mm -hmm. I'm an artist
0: and in the afternoons I'm a businesswoman you're talking to the businesswoman right (laughs) Gotcha. <laughs> no, I completely understand. That's something I've, I've spoken about on this podcast before is I tend to separate my, my day. In the morning, I'm creative. And in the afternoon, that's when I have to put on my entrepreneur hat and do the business side. Yeah, exactly. And and that's how
1: you can do this for the long term. Uh, many I've known many, many writers now since I started in 2006. And so many of them have left the industry because it's hard. It's mm-hmm. difficult. And, you know, many of uh, or they it's just not them you know and so what do you want to do with your life and there's nothing wrong with writing one book and then deciding that's not your thing Great. you know my my dad wrote a thriller a few years back and then decided he really didn't enjoy it so he's he's a printmaker hmm. and uh you know and that was a retirement project anyway and plenty of people go back to a day job or have a day job while they write or like like you for example you're not trying to make a full time living with your fantasy fiction as far as I can see at the moment that's that's the long-term goal (laughs) right but at the moment you've got a lot of other things going on that are what earn you money while Mm -hmm. you write and that is as yeah as I did for five years or whatever Mm -hmm. and you know that's a that's an important part of it but yeah I think that's the most important thing is separating your artist and your business person
0: Mm. yes absolutely do you do you think that you have any like specific habits that have helped you to be successful in building your author business? Uh, I think I do love
1: learning. Like I said, I love researching for my books, but I love learning new things. And if you are not learning new things, you are not going to be successful mm. as uh, possibly anything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that the world is moving so fast, and in order to keep up with what's going on you need to be able to learn new stuff and you need to be able to adapt what you're doing to change direction potentially to add new forms of income, to retire older forms of income to, and that's a form of resilience, I I guess. And so I think is it a habit or more of a sort of a personality trait that you acquire over time, which is that, that persistence and, yeah persistence and learning are probably the things that i sort of credit for mm. where i am now because i've never had a breakout success you know i've never had uh, i've never had like a massive month of income with a huge extra amount of money or anything i've actually steadily grown what i earn and it's been pretty steady now for a few years it's um a pretty good level so it's it's all just been consistently working on the craft and the business almost every day actually for as long as I've been doing this and I I guess coming back to sort of being miserable in my day job at the beginning which is I'm grateful every day that I don't have to go back Right. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's definitely one of those weird things that if you love what you do you know you're not thinking about work-life balance or you're not thinking about oh i'm seem to be spending too much time on my day job although i do think that sometimes but it's more like i love what i do now mm-hmm. and so i'm not measuring that mm-hmm. but yeah it, it, this is a long term game if if people listening if you want to be a writer it is a long term game there is no overnight success anyone you see who is an overnight success is probably has probably been writing under another name for at least a decade
0: right <laughs> They just appear to be an overnight success because that's the book that just happened to hit big, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I think you've you've touched on a few things, but what would you say is kind of the one piece of advice that you would give to someone interested in becoming an indie author?
1: Oh, so, so many things. (laughs) Uh...
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not like you have 10 years of podcasting where you're talking about this. I mean... No, exactly. In a whole load of books where you can learn it all.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, well, I think, I think the main thing is what is your definition of success? because. If you want to win the Pulitzer Prize, (laughs) then you're better off being traditionally published or, Mm -hmm. you know, spending a long time in academia and working with the people who can help you play that game. I decided I wanted to make six figures and, you know, and multi six figures. The money was definitely a thing that I wanted to, to get first because I wanted to leave my job. So I was like, I want to make the money. And that's what led me into becoming an independent author because Mm. I could see a guaranteed way to make money that way by producing quality products that people wanted to buy for a specific audience I was like okay I know how that works whereas the traditional publishing trajectory is not at all under your control it's all out of your control actually I mean you can write an incredible book you can spend a couple of years getting an agent you might take another year or so to get a publishing deal it might that book may you know turn you into George R. R. Martin or or it might disappear off the face of the earth mm-hmm. um although we should say with someone like George Martin he has been writing for something like 50 years and he only became George R. R. Martin in the last sort of decade as <laughs> people were like oh Game of Thrones oh now he makes I think I just oh, he came to mind because I just saw he got an eight figure deal saw for that you saw that yes yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay well he spent If you look, if, you know, if people are interested, look at his career. He was no one and he was no one and he was no one. And then suddenly he was George Martin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, who knows? Maybe that will happen to me in (laughs) another 25 years. Um, But it's, you can't bet on that. You can't bet on having the Game of Thrones. But what you can do as an independent author is write the books you love, Publish them, you know, promote yourself, um, your books to readers, and you will uh, grow a career. And that, so I, I think I just prefer my definition of success is around making a living and living the way I want to live, Mm -hmm. as opposed to chasing a lightning strike um, or playing the literary lottery. But not to say that I won't ever do that it's just that up until this point when we're talking I haven't gone that way but yeah so if you are listening and you're interested in becoming an indie author then deciding on your definition of success is very very important Mm. Uh, because you have to decide what your validation is you know if, if you really want penguin random house on the spine of your book then go for that if you really really want an agent then go for that and if you want to make six figures, (laughs) then you can go for that too. And um, do you want that within your control or or more of a uh, a luck, I guess? So... Yeah, it's a big question, I know. And also, I would say a lot of people don't necessarily know what their definition of success is. But uh, that is all part of the fun and games
0: of being a writer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and listeners, if you are interested in becoming an indie author, you should definitely check out Joanna's book, Successful Self Publishing How to Self Publish an Ebook, Print Book, and Audiobook. And it's actually available for free on your website, right, Joanna? Yeah, not just on the website.
1: It's free on all ebook platforms. So you can get it free everywhere uh, where you get your ebooks. Perfect. and we're Where can we learn more about you and your podcast and your books? Right. So my website is thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N, and you can get there. I've got a free author blueprint and also my books are all there linked there. And my podcast is The Creative Pen Podcast, again, pen with a double N. And if you're into books and travel, I have another podcast called Books and Travel, (laughs) which is is a kind of a passion project, but uh, that's what I love. So yeah, thank you so much for
0: having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. It was such a fun interview. While I was editing it, I was actually like laughing out loud while re-listening to our conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about Joanna's journey to becoming an indie author as much as I did. There were so many great takeaways from the interview today. But one that like really stood out to me was when Joanna said that to be successful, really in any business or endeavor, you have to be willing to learn new things. I think this is such a huge point. It's so easy to get stuck in our own comfort zones and just kind of keep plodding away doing things the same way simply because that's the way we've always done it. But sometimes when we stick our heads in the sand and ignore new options or new technology, we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by not at least trying it out. Like as an example, I stayed away from using TikTok for the longest time because I thought it was just like kids making like dance videos or whatever. I even downloaded it at one point. I got in there for like five seconds and then I was like, yeah, I don't don't get it. And then I deleted the app. I wasn't willing to take the time to just play around with it and actually learn how to use it or how it could be beneficial to me and my business. So fast forward to today when I've been active on the app for over two months now and because I was willing to not only learn a new technology but also learn how to put myself out there by making videos about books and writing, I now have almost a thousand followers. That is way more than I have built up on Instagram or Twitter for followers, and I never would have learned that TikTok is such a great platform to connect with readers and other authors had I not actually taken the time to at least learn what it was and how it worked. And now I'm addicted, so maybe be careful of TikTok. Um, but as Joanna said, like things are changing so quickly, right? Especially with technology, that it's important to our success in whatever business that we're doing to be willing to jump in and try new things, you know, learn new technology, try new software. And keep in mind that just because you learn how to use a new piece of technology or software or you know social media platform, that doesn't mean that you actually have to use it. But at least you'll be informed about it, which means it might be helpful, you know, like down the road, and you'll be prepared for that when it is useful for you. The other point that Joanna made that I wanted to reiterate is the idea of how creative entrepreneurs need to have two hats in order to really build a successful business. One hat is the creative crafting hat. When you wear this hat, you are creating your art, whether it's writing, sculpting, painting, playing music, organizing, whatever your particular art is. You've got your creative hat on when you're in the midst of that creation. However, when it's time to think about what to actually do with that piece of art, that's when we need to put on our business hat. For me, switching hats actually starts partially in the editing process. As much as I might love a passage that I've written in a book, if it doesn't move the story along and make a finished product that readers will actually keep devouring, then I need to cut that passage. And honestly, I don't think that I would be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to cut that piece of writing if I was still wearing my creative hat. In fact, if I'm wearing my creative hat, I tend to add more stuff to the manuscript that doesn't belong. (laughs) Other business hat activities, as Joanna said, could involve things like marketing or managing your business finances. Now, don't get me wrong, you could potentially be creative when conducting these business hat activities too, like developing an innovative marketing plan for your product. But for me, I can't do it the other way, right? I can't wear my business hat while being creative because that tends to stifle my activity or it leads it down the wrong path. Like if I'm wearing my business hat while I'm writing, my characters suddenly start like doing stuff that doesn't really make sense for their story because I'm thinking that they're doing what the reader wants them to do instead of what the character would actually do. And when I notice this, I have to actually like stop myself from writing and kind of get back into that sort of creative zone rather than that sort of business minded zone. So if you're building a creative entrepreneur or business, keep this in mind. As I mentioned in the interview with Joanna, what works for me is to split my day into writing in the morning, then switching to my business hat in the afternoon and focusing on marketing or whatever else needs to be done. But it took a little trial and error to actually get there to kind of figure out that this is what worked for me. So try out a few different methods to see what works for you. Like maybe every other day is a creativity day and then the days in between are for your business hat activities. Try a few different methods, see what works for you. And have patience with yourself as you kind of figure out what is the best method for your personality. All right, listeners, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show and the interview with Joanna. Join me in two weeks on May 3rd for a solo show where I'll focus on how sometimes shit just happens. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own go-find-out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at GoFindOutPodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at GFO Podcast or follow me on Instagram at GoFindOutPodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out.